Today's podcast is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you didn't know, SeatGeek is the official ticketing partner of the Brooklyn Nets. Whether you're trying to go to a Nets game, Liberty game, concert, or any other event at Barclays Center, you really only need SeatGeek. Welcome to Courtside Conversation. I'm your girl, Allie Love. After years on the hardwood as the in-arena host for the Brooklyn Nets, it's time for me to take it courtside. We're here with artists, athletes, and all of our favorite people to break down the game called life. We're getting real about the grow up and the glow up. So let's take a seat. of Tom Brady Stole the Show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh my goodness. So I am thoroughly excited that I get to have you on. Emily is a friend of mine. So first off, that's your title, the end. Um, (laughs) But outside of that, you have a podcast. You do many things. You do keynotes. You're a great motivational speaker. You're into fitness. Um, You've been in the sport world. You've been in the the media world for so long. Um, But you had me on your podcast, Hurdle, a few years ago maybe 2018, I think was the time that I I was on. I think so. But I want to take it before we even hop in, because basically courtside conversation is that we're going to take the seat courtside and we're going to go through the game. In this game, it's going to be basketball. It's four quarters. We have a little halftime fun. And before we get in even into that, I want to say thank you. I want everyone to know, because I remember when we did your podcast, you asked me to be a guest on. I said, yes, I was a bit nervous. Podcasts were just becoming a thing. So hey, girl, for being in front of the wave, like leading the charge. But then you spent time with me after and telling me what it took to create your podcast. You gave me the secret to the secret sauce. And the reason that's important, and I want to say thank you, is that many times we don't highlight that, especially women in this game, in this game of life, is that we choose competition over collaboration. And you always and continuously lead from collaboration over competition, so much so that now you're on my podcast, which I'm so grateful for, but you also spent almost two hours talking to me, giving me every little detail on how to make this successful and cut to four years later, we're here. So I want to say thank you so much. Oh, you are welcome. Hello. Hi, what's up? I'm so happy to be here. And 
that sentiment is so important, right? We have the opportunity to cheer on for one another, to be each other's cheerleaders and that you will never regret giving to someone else. Selfishly, when I'm in a little bit of a rut, giving to others is one of the ways that I get out of it. It feels so good to help someone else on their journey and cheer them as they find their successes. So I was more than happy to help you. And I'm so, so excited for you as you take off on this new adventure for yourself. I know. We'll see where it goes. So with that, let's get started. Let's jump right into the first quarter. And so usually in the first quarter of the game, we throw it back and give insight to those that are listening on your childhood, like in terms of the growing up. And the one question that I think that I I, I tend to ask for a reason. And, and the reason for that is because when I was growing up, I just really didn't know what was available to me. I didn't know what my career my career opportunity. I didn't know what that would look like or what that was. I knew, you know, you take a major in college and then you hope it worked out. But it was one of those things where I had to stay curious around my greatness. Take us back to your formative years in terms of deciding, little Emily, like, what am I going to do? What was available to you? And what do you think you t- you were going to take your career? And are you surprised at where you are now? You know, I'm surprised where I am now in that I never thought that I would become a podcaster. It's not lost on me that this voice, there's something special that's going on with this voice, but it was not something that I thought I would use to make a career out of. I definitely, definitely always wanted to be some sort of a writer and certainly a journalist. I went to UConn, Let's Go Huskies, where I double majored in political science and journalism. And for a stint there, I really, really thought heavily about law school. Case law fascinates Mm me. The way that things are in our country, the reasons why things are the way that they are, truly, truly fascinates me. But when I thought about the type of life that I wanted to live, the lifestyle that I wanted to live, maybe a little bit more freedom than I thought that I would have in a career path as a lawyer, that's why I followed my true gut and went into the journalism field. So I certainly always had aspirations to be a writer, but the direction in which I went in when it came to the topic area, I never thought that I would be rooted in health and wellness. It wasn't Mm. until I went through my own health and wellness journey, a hurdle moment, as I call it on the show, learning to switch that conversation that was going on in my head. I was at the time, I will say overweight in that I wasn't in good health. I didn't really feel comfortable in my body. It wasn't about the number. It was about how I viewed my body, how I felt in my body. And again, just really, really uncomfortable. I went through a major weight loss. And during that weight loss, I learned to shift the dialogue to be much more positive inside and really give back to me, really learn all about self-care and how to prioritize my own own mental health and my own well-being, lost a ton of weight. And that led me down a road of being interested in health, fitness, wellness, and then in turn, eventually head into that side of the journalism coin, so to speak. So to head into writing about all things wellness for different publications, starting at Rodale, who used to own publications like Women's Health, Men's Health, Runner's World, etc. Then to be the fitness editor over at Self Magazine, and then on a journey of freelance and ultimately to kickstart things with Hurdle. So truly, truly grateful for the journey. And it's nothing like I thought it would be, but it is way more than I've imagined. And I still feel like I'm just getting started. 
I think we met when maybe you were freelancing. I don't think you were still at self. Maybe you were, but it was kind of like in that transition. And, and the time that we spent more concentrated was when we went to Germany with Adidas and we were there on a trip and we got to know each other a little bit more. But as we say in this first quarter, before we talk about that journey of tapping into the fitness world and in the health and wellness space, um, was there ever a moment in the transition of career, whether it was deciding in college, this is what I want to pursue, switching after saying law sounds great, but maybe there's something a little bit more to explore. Was there ever a moment or moments, but I'd love for you to like maybe tap into one at a younger age where you're just like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I'm made for this. One of them that comes up for me is when I moved to New York City. You know, I'm from Miami, Florida. Nobody lived in New York. I was the first person. My mom's one of 10 kids, 200 cousins, one of the first cousins to graduate college. And I remember even before graduation, being in college at freshman year, and I was just like, I want to go home. All I know is I don't think I can make it in New York. You know, make it in New York and make it everywhere. I'm making it anywhere because all I want to do is I want to give up. I want to go home. This isn't, I'm not built for this. And I started to second guess my abilities because I was feeling lonely in what that next step looked like of pursuing becoming a dancer, right? Which was my evolution. Was there ever a moment or a time for you where you started to second guess and you're like, I want to go home? (laughs) <laughs> well, Ali, I can sympathize with that. New York is a lot to handle, but you have shown us that you know how to conquer a hurdle or two. For me, yeah. it really was rooted in the uncertainty that came hand in hand with becoming a freelance journalist, right? I, as so many often do, found myself a nine to five when I graduated college. And for a handful of years, that was the way. I was used to getting a guaranteed paycheck every other week, every week, depending on the job. And so when I was thrust into this world of freelance writing, a byproduct, a byproduct, excuse me, of corporate layoffs first. And then the second time, Mm. the magazine that I was working for was shuttered. But I remember distinctly being a full-time freelance journalist, hustling on deadlines, chasing interviews. There was this one particular weekend that I was heading out east to the Hamptons with some friends. And I remember that maybe three or four checks that were supposed to be deposited into my bank account, none of them arrived. And I'm sitting in the backseat of my friend's Jeep. And I'm just thinking to myself, am I going to have enough money in my bank account to pay rent next Monday. And so scared and frustrated because it wasn't for any lack of trying. It was just learning the game. And of course, I did have money in my savings that I could shift over. And I've since learned so much about managing my finances and and certainly in a different position now. But I do remember the frustrations that came hand in hand with your fate certainly being within someone else's hands to an extent. I could work so hard. I could work from the moment I woke up and stay up late and do it again the next day. But I still needed someone to say yes to me. So Mm. I had to learn how to flip the script, how to make those yeses more of a sure thing, how to be my own biggest hype man. This goes back to our conversation about loving to be a cheerleader for other people. How could I hype myself up so that I was the candidate that they wanted to work with so that my story pitch was the right story pitch for all of these different outlets. And again, it took time. It didn't happen overnight. But in doing that and being my own hype man and believing in my own potential, that's how I was able to land more assignments and ultimately turn it back around, get back to myself and start the show. So certainly, yes, there were definitely moments where I was like, what is happening here? 
Today's podcast is sponsored by SeatGeek. If you didn't know, SeatGeek is the official ticketing partner of the Brooklyn Nets. Unlike any other apps, SeatGeek makes buying tickets super simple. Whether you're trying to go to a Nets game, Liberty game, concert, or any other event at Barclays Center, you really only need SeatGeek. SeatGeek puts tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Let's sum it to the second quarter. Obviously, your podcast is, you have that moment, right? That hurdle, like that moment, which I think is so profound. And the reason I'm sure, again, the, the genesis of this came is because you had your own hurdle moment. And I've been on and I've shared mine about being hit by a car at nine years old and, and almost dying. I'd love for you to take this opportunity. And I think this gives, it sheds light to, if you haven't listened to Emily's podcast, this is a great way for you after you finish listening to this one to hop on over. But talk us through, because I think that was an inflection point. That was a turning point in your life where it's like, I'm going to tap into an industry at that point that wasn't necessarily as, forgive me because I don't want to sound condescending, but sometimes I feel like the health and wellness and fitness world is so buzzy when it's actually just a lifestyle. It's a commitment. It's deep. It's a legacy. It's rooted in reality. And so before this was a thing, you had your own hurdle. You had your own inflection point. Talk us through that. Yeah. And on that note of the health and wellness industry being a lifestyle, I'm grateful that these days that lifestyle is something that so many different individuals understand that they are capable of living regardless of what they look like, where they're from, their, you know, gender orientation, so sexual orientation, their gender identity, excuse me, so many different ways into the industry now that we see different people standing at the forefront of this huge wave, this huge buzzy wave, as you called it. But back Mm -hmm. when I was in college at the University of Connecticut, I did not feel like I saw myself represented at all by conventional media and certainly not in the health and fitness space. I weighed in at a number that was over 200 pounds, which for someone that stands just shy of five foot four, that was for me in my body, not a place that I was comfortable at. And so I was a freshman in college and 
And I felt so alone in my body, so uncomfortable in my body. I recall that I was sitting at my desk working on a term paper or studying for a final. And I thought that why not in this moment, the perfect way to procrastinate the work that I need to get done (laughs) is I should step on the scale that I haven't dragged out from under my bed since move-in day. So I pull out the scale and I get on that scale and I tap my toe to it. And literally from the moment that I tap my toe to it, to the moment that I step onto it, to the moment that the screen populates with this number, it felt like an eternity. And Mm -hmm. I am greeted with something that I guess maybe deep inside my heart, I knew, but I had never truly confronted. And so in that moment, I do something that's so counterintuitive to me. I hop off the scale. I throw on a high school volleyball sweatshirt and some cotton leggings from Target and some old sneakers. And I run down the four flights of stairs from my dorm to the outside. And I sprint for maybe what was a total of like 14 to 24 seconds until I cannot run anymore. And I fall over and collapse in the grass and the grass is wet with dew. And I look up, it's nighttime and I look up at the stars above me. And I just know in this moment that I need to make a change, that I don't want to live this life where I am not happy in this body. I was not happy or fulfilled being who I was. And I am so grateful when I look back on that moment and the insight that I had, because I knew that I was chasing a feeling. I was chasing a feeling, a feeling good in my body. I was never, ever chasing a number. Now, of course, in my pursuit of what health felt right for me, pounds came off with it. And that weight loss happened in two phases. The first phase for me was learning how to eat better, learning how to nourish my body with good foods. And the second part was learning to love running, something that from a young age, I was made to feel like I would never be good at. I grew up in a family with one brother who was the track star of the family. I was always more interested in the arts and I was in the school musical. I remember that in the God, I don't know anyone who has a good experience with their middle school or elementary school presidential physical fitness tests. Like I <laughs> did not do well on oh, that. Yeah. We are all long-term scarred from the presidential physical fitness test. And so So I didn't do well on that. I got kicked off of the volleyball team or I didn't make the JV volleyball team after playing freshman volleyball because I couldn't run a mile in under 10 minutes. So needless to say, uh, oh, shout out to the, the pumpkin classic 5K, which I came in last with my father at age 13. So running was never, it was never something that was, that was good for me mentally. But I learned one summer after I'd started on this journey of finding what healthy looked like for me, that I was capable of doing it and doing it in my own way and doing it in a way that didn't involve comparing my performance to anybody else's performance. So I laced up every single day for an entire summer and I went out and ran what I thought was about a mile. And that mile took me over 14 minutes. And it wasn't until the end of that summer when I drove the distance with my car and found out that I had actually been running just a half mile every single day. And you know Wait, what? I, I thought you were going to say the up. I was like a mile and a half. Oh my God. Wouldn't that oh, have been no. lovely? No, no, just a half mile. But uh-huh. that half mile, truly best gift I've ever given myself yeah. because it taught me one, that I am capable. Two, that I can commit to anything that I set my mind to. And three, that I was worthy of my own energy. Like we all are. I was worthy of my own investment. And so that summer, 
through that half mile a day, I learned to love running. And the journey progresses from there, from 5Ks to half marathons to now 10 marathon finish lines later. I Mm. am truly who I am today because I stuck it out that summer with that half mile. Shout out to the half mile, even if it wasn't a full mile, half mile. It's fine. It's fine. No, I think that's really inspirational. And I think and the reason for this story and the reason I think I've taken this second quarter to tell is because, again, we get so caught up on what it looks like and where we are now and what Instagram says, right? A really tight aperture, a small aperture of life. And everyone's like, she has it all together. But we all, which is what this podcast is about, is when you take a, a seat court side, while the players may look like they're winning the whole game or, you know, they're amazing. They got it all. They get to do what they love every single day is that oftentimes they too, the players that we watch on Instagram, like Emily, like these players often too have those turning points, have those inflection points, have those hardships, have those hurdles. Like we all identify on that and the playing field is even. Um, I want to jump into our halftime, which is always a good, a good time. And this is for us to have a little fun. Just, just a little quick. It's called rapid fire, but I call it fire rapid. So it's a fire <laughs> rapid. It's short and sweet. And then I'm going to end with one question that I ask everyone that I can't wait to find what yours is. You can only pick the question at the end. There's only one answer. I've had a couple of guests that have more. So if you feel compelled, you can have more, but I encourage you to find out what, what is that one thing? So are you ready? <laughs> I guess so, Allie. I guess so. <laughs> hey, you don't sound excited about my halftime entertainment. Born ready. Born ready. Yeah, you've been excited about my halftime entertainment. This is the halftime entertainment you didn't know you needed. You thought you needed dancers to dance for you. You thought you needed to catch a t-shirt. You thought you needed your birthday to be up on the video board. No, you need my fire rapid to make your day with this great energy that I'm giving on my energy bus. Right? We ready, hon. We ready. Let's do it. Okay. All right. So uh, night in or night out? Night in. Running or cycling? Running. Well, then I see the Peloton bike behind you. There you go. And the weights. Um, Some people call it athleisure, maybe like, you know, your personality, athleisure or dressing up. I love to dress up, but I'm more often in athleisure. Okay. Chocolate or vanilla ice cream? Chocolate. iPhone or Android? iPhone. Few words or more words? Few words. Call or text? Call. Wow. That's the first call I've heard. Don't ever call me. Just text me. And then our last question is what is one, what is your one biggest pet peeve? Oh, this is an excellent question. I would say my biggest pet peeve is people who don't communicate well, which is why I am a call over a text. I feel as though, yes, I text often, but if we have subpar communication, oftentimes that subpar communication is a result of words getting misconstrued via texting, messaging, email, et cetera. So I'm a call and I'm a poor communicator, pet peeve, red flag, no bueno. Mm, how do you get off the phone? My, my thing is, I don't, <laughs> you call me and I could start, I can answer. I got the beginning, I got the middle all accomplished. But to seal the deal, the end is really hard for me. If someone is like, just keep going, like maybe I don't want to see them later because then I'll say, okay, see you later. But then I'm like, I'm lying because I actually don't ever want to see you a day in my life. Um, Just keep emailing me. Like, how do you close a conversation? Hey, loved being able to catch up with you, but I've got to run and get something else done right now. I will talk to you soon. Okay, I'm going to write that down. I'm going to listen to this podcast (laughs) back because I do not think of that ever. Or you can just tell someone that you appreciate them and that's like sign, seal, deliver, keep moving on. I appreciate you for what you brought to me on this call. I appreciate you for asking or answering my questions. And now I've got to get to the next thing. There you go. 
let's take that into the third quarter because that's called rejection. Um, <laughs> that is what that call, that that's good to say. I got to practice it, but it's hard to hear. I have to say, if someone says that to me, you've been in the world of journalism for a very long time. Like you said, you've accessed yourself in writing. Now you have a podcast. You're a great communicator. You call a lot of people. Uh, it's inevitable that rejection is going to be a part of the journey. How have you handled, and, and I know you touched on it a little bit of like the paycheck story, but how have you handled rejection throughout your life? Do you have kind of a strategy that you can lend and share with us on how to handle rejection a little bit more? I don't know if it's necessarily a strategy, but as you touched on and as anyone listening to this can certainly imagine, I am asking people who are very often spread thin for their time. I do it Mm -hmm. a lot. And I'm talking big name, wonderfully accomplished humans ranging from, goodness, Allison Felix to Andy Pudicombe of Headspace to women like yourself, Allie. So many outrageously talented, wonderful people. And understandably so, it's hard to find the time, especially when you talk about schedules aligning. And sometimes these asks are met with a no thank you. I view every no thank you respectfully, but really as a just not right now, because Mm. I can't even begin to tell you how many individuals have told me no thank you at one point or another. And then now they're in the feed, they're on the show and we have had since the time to connect. So yes, rejection is frustrating. And keep in mind, it doesn't just come to me via avenues like the people or the guests that I'm hoping to have their time. It also comes in the form of pitching perhaps a sponsor on a certain rate to come on the show. Mm -hmm. Or for me, if I'm trying to solidify a certain speaking opportunity and maybe our dates don't align and that's like a form of passive rejection, it's like, well, I guess this isn't going to work out. You have to be, again, going back to where we started, your own biggest cheerleader, but also understand that oftentimes a no is just a not right now. And have respect for that. There is no shame in circling back on something. Maybe don't use that term after the last couple of years. I think we're all a little anti the I'm going to circle back on this phrase. Mm -hmm. But come back to this and ask again. You'll never regret sending the email. And if you don't ask, if you don't put yourself out there, then you will absolutely never know. So be your own biggest cheerleader. Have some grace with yourself when these no's come in because they will come. You have to have a reasonable expectation. Even the biggest of the big names, I'm sure because of scheduling conflicts, even someone has at one point or another said no to Oprah, right? So know that you're not the only person who hears no. Understand that you're doing the best you can with what you have and move forward understanding that what is for you will not pass you by, period, end statement. Whoever said no to Oprah is probably kicking themselves multiple times over <laughs> multiple years. So um, shout out to Oprah. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least. 
as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. You motivational, encouraging, always have good energy. Anytime we've been around each other, you're very consistent from taking photos of traveling with your sneakers and your passport, really stopping the line, the TSA line to take a photo of your stuff. Um, I often think about the people that are behind you, like, woman, could you move and stop putting this on Instagram? But consistent with all of the things that you prioritize, what does a bad day look like for you? Man, well, first off, let me just shed some light on the TSA security bin photo, which actually happens in my living room now. There's a TSA security bin in my home. Wait, my dad wait a minute. Me, Did, is this legal? It's it's legal. You can buy it on Amazon. My dad got okay. me a security bin for Christmas as a joke during the pandemic when we weren't traveling. And so any bin you see going forward is always, uh, is always taken here. But with that said, uh, follow me on Instagram for more insight into the security bin saga. But... What I will say is for me, a bad day, they come, right? And Mm -hmm. this also goes back to your point earlier about the things that we see on social media and it's easy to fall into the comparison trap. And the reality is, is that when I'm not feeling it or when I'm having a bad day, I don't should myself out of it. And that is something that so many of us really struggle with. It's this idea that I should be feeling happy. I should be grateful for what's going on. I should be X or Y or Z. The reality is, is that, yes, I always try to come back to this place of having grace with myself. I always try to allow myself to experience all of the feelings. And that really is what I come back to when I'm having a bad day. You have to take the time to feel the feelings. You have to allow yourself to experience what is truly going on because if you if you bury it deep and you do not let yourself experience those feelings, feel those feelings, then they're just going to bubble up at some later point in time. So give yourself that moment. You don't work hard at something even if it is literally just showing up to your day. I'm not saying that you need to be going out there and running a marathon to have worked hard during your day. Even if your hard work is just showing up in your office and putting on a happy face, you don't work hard for something not to go as you had hoped or how you had expected. So allow yourself to experience that understand that that moment, that bad day, that failure, it isn't happening just to put you on on the defense, to put you in a bad place. It's happening to teach you something. So feel the feelings, take the lessons from that failure or that hurdle, and then use them going forward to inform yourself on how you can better show up as the days and the hours go on. So for me, I mean, a bad day is really often logging off. It's sitting at this desk if I'm staring into space and I realize that nothing's getting done. I'm not moving forward in the direction that I had hoped. The day isn't going as I had hoped. I will literally put a hard pause on myself and be like, remove yourself from the situation. Get up, take a walk around the block. Even if it is just one walk, one block, right? Come back in and have a little reset. Have a moment where you flip the script 
Because oftentimes when we are having a bad day, when we are having a bad moment, it is so easy to indulge, unfortunately, in that negative self-talk. So coming back to being your own cheerleader, coming back to being your hype man, oftentimes that step outside, that comeback, that allows me to get in the right mindset so that I can remember who I am, how far I've come, and the amazing, amazing progress that I've made since I started in so many different aspects of my life. Let's jump into the fourth quarter because you said take a uh, walk around the block. And running has become a big part of your narrative, a big part of your journey. As someone who, when I first started running, I call myself a baby runner. And I never run a marathon, but I'm very proud that I've run multiple half marathons. That's my length. I love running. I've fallen in love with running. I've continuously fallen in love with running because there's a love-hate relationship. And it does serve my soul, right? It clears my mind. It makes me feel accomplished for sure. On the days that you know that you should walk around the block or that you should go for a run, I'm not shooting on myself. I say don't shoot on yourself, very similar around the shoulds. But it's like on the days where you had planned that I'm going to go for a run or I know this is what I had planned for myself. How do you flip that switch? What do you tell yourself? Like specifically, what do you tell yourself when you, you're like, I know running will be good for me. I know it will be an outlet. I'll know it will be a reset, but I don't feel like doing it. Yeah. And there's a fine line between having the grace with yourself to allow yourself to just be instead of forcing yourself to move. But in my experience, in all of the days that have led me up to this day, most of the time, the movement is going to be the thing that helps me get unstuck. Just this morning, I hopped up onto the treadmill to get some intervals done. And I really, really, really did not feel like doing it. I did my little warm up mile. I was ready to start my first set of four. And I was like, I don't know if today's the day. And then I came back to where I always come back to, which is this idea, just start with one. It starts Mm -hmm. with one rep, one experiment, one try to show yourself what you are capable of, not necessarily just on the treadmill or with running, but how about that one rep of speaking to yourself with kindness? How about that one rep of cleaning up this small area in your apartment, which reminds you that you are capable of cleaning the whole thing? What about this one rep of making time to call your grandmother on a Tuesday or to set aside a calendar mark to sit down and have lunch with one of your parents on the weekend if you're so lucky to have them? It is one rep just beginning that reminds you of who you are and what you're capable of. And that is what I tell myself time and time again. This morning, I got on the treadmill. I did my one rep. And then six reps later, I was happy that I started with that one, right? So believe in yourself, have the faith and know that that one rep also may not feel the same as it did yesterday. And it could feel completely different tomorrow, but have grace with yourself to meet yourself with where you're at and know that moving forward, all you can do is the best you have with what you've got. There you go. Make the best decision with the information that you know now. One rep, starting a podcast, one conversation, multiple conversations later, you just celebrated something. On Instagram, I saw, and I see your little (laughs) sign behind there, Um, but you have a space, right? Was that, is that something new? Tell me about it because I know for me, my space right now is still in the corner of my (laughs) extra bedroom and there's a hot mess and my treadmill is right, my Peloton tread is right here. Everything is just boom, but you have a designated space, which in New York, in any big city or just in any space to have a designated space for your work is a big accomplishment. It's a big milestone. So tell us about that. 
So I started this podcast a little over four years ago in my fourth floor walk-up Upper East Side bedroom with a Blue Yeti microphone that I think cost around $120. And now almost 500 episodes of the show, 10 seasons, 6 million downloads later, I'm sitting in a studio dedicated to the podcast. I'll never forget about maybe three years or so ago, I was recording with a woman by the name of Lindsay Simsek. She is one of the co-founders of Almost 30. And I was recording Mm -hmm. with Lindsay in their studio, which was also inside of an apartment that one of them lived in, Lindsay at the time. And so I'll never forget walking into that space when I had my own small fourth floor walk up on the Upper East Side. I was like, one day... I want to have a home where I have a full bedroom dedicated to being my studio space. And like, that's how I will know that like, this has taken me somewhere that I have really, really done this thing that I want to do. And let me tell you, last May, when I was looking for my next apartment, ready to move out of that fourth floor walk up on the Upper East Side, I walked into this space and I knew that I was home. So I feel truly beyond grateful, so fortunate, not only for the opportunity to have this space, but for for all of the hard work and the no that I had to say personally to own my no to get here, right? Because it didn't happen overnight. And mm-hmm. I did have a lot of those hard days that we spoke about. But at the end, I believed in myself and I kept persevering and I kept pushing forward. And I truly, truly manifested sitting in this chair right now, having the opportunity to do stuff like this. So I am so thankful for this space. And it is truly like, Oh my goodness. I have some of my highest highs and honestly, some of my lowest lows in here. So I just keep pushing forward every day uh, and leading with with a grateful heart. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I... Again, I am so grateful for you. I'm so grateful to you. I'm happy you are in my orbit. I am proud of you. And this was a feel-good conversation. I feel like there was so much that many of you that are listening and that have listened to the end, you would have some great takeaways. I feel empowered. I'm, I'm like, mm, I'm getting ready for this meeting. I talked to Emily. I'm about to get out here and get it. So thank you for always being the boss and an example of what it means to boss up. Thank you for sitting courtside. Oh, you're, thank you for motivating me. I appreciate you, Allie. Truly, it means the world. Yes. Thank you so much. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. That was our courtside conversation with my girl, Emily. I'll talk to y'all later. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.